The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. got something else for you this morning. It's going to be really good. Today's going to be a great day. I really believe God's going to speak to you today. And a really dear friend of mine is here. Pastor Ethan Vance is the campus pastor of the Broken Arrow Campus, a church on the move. Me and Ethan go way back. Ethan's a brother of mine. And uh, in fact, I think the first time I met Ethan was in 1988. We were just talking about this. And we were both in children's ministry at Church on the Move. And uh, Church on the Move had a game room and he ran the game room. At like, what, nine years old? He was running it. Running stuff. Had a walkie-talkie that didn't talk to anybody, but he had it. But uh, he's, a great, he's a great man of God, and I believe he's got a great word for us this morning. And so I really want to encourage you to, uh, to, to chime in, to stay connected, to believe that you can receive something. You know, the Word of God tells us this. It says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I was reminded of that this morning. And, uh, you know, right, that righteousness is not, is not based on you. It's based on what Jesus has done. So if you're here tonight and you've accepted what Jesus has done for you, you're righteous. So your steps have ordered you here. So you're here for this moment. You're in this moment right now. God brought you here. And, and this has been ordered. So how many of you believe if God ordered you to be somewhere? It's because he has something for you. And, and even if you say, well, I don't know about this righteousness stuff. Well, I can tell you this. The guy that's getting ready to come up here and speak to you is a righteous man. And so his steps have ordered him to be here. So if nothing else, he's got something for you from the Lord. You received that this morning? So do me a favor, and like you mean it, like you want the devil to know that you're here this morning, I want you to give him applause as Ethan Vance comes up to speak to us this morning. Come on. Man, it's good to see you guys this morning. you know, first of all, I need to know the story behind Nuts and Bolts. I mean, that's got to happen before I leave because I'm going to be wondering the whole way home. Uh, like, uh, like Josh said, I'm part of the Church on the Move family. Uh, we have three churches. Uh, we are a little bit different in the way that we organize our churches. Uh, so we have uh, three churches in three different parts of the city, and I'm the lead pastor of our church in Broken Earth. It's a brand new, brand new church, but God's just uh, done some incredible stuff down there. And if you, uh, if you can pray for Tulsa, pray for Broken Arrow, we'll take all of your prayers from the Big Brother Oklahoma City. Come on, somebody. We'll take, we'll take all the prayers we can get. Uh, but uh, just so excited to be here with you this morning. Um, uh, our church is a little rowdy, just because I'm a little rowdy. So we, like Josh said, we like to talk back. Um, so just, I'm just going to give you permission this morning. Let your inner Pentecostal out. Uh, you know, just pretend like you got one, even if you don't yet. And we're, we're going to talk back. So you can say, that's good. You can say, I like that. You can say what my church says, which is preach it good looking. So, you know, whatever, whatever works for you, try it on this morning and see, see if it works. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk this morning uh, for just a second about accountability. Somebody say accountability. Everybody's least favorite word, but most needed thing. And uh, so we're going to talk for a little bit about that this morning. I'll just talk to you real honestly about my journey uh, with accountability, kind of my experience with it, where, uh, what, what, what kind of happened in my life with it, and, and what I believe God wants to do in your life with it. Uh, but before we do that, if, uh, if you'll just take a second, let's pray together and just invite God to speak to us. Lord, we're so grateful for the chance that we have to gather together this morning. 
uh, our, our prayer is that your voice would cut through everything else, that we would hear you louder than any other noise in our life, any other thing that we're worried about outside of these doors. Would you help us just to push pause on those things for a few moments to hear your voice so that we can be changed, so that we can live more like you and follow you more boldly. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The Bible doesn't have a lot to say about accountability. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about what we will be accountable for. As you read through the Bible, there are a lot of different things that uh, especially men and leaders in the church will be accountable for. We're going to be accountable for our families. We're going to be accountable for our faith. We're going to be accountable for the message that we shared with the people around us. But it doesn't tell us a lot about how personal accountability works. Uh, you have to kind of piece some things together from the examples of godly men and how they follow God to really get a clear picture of what accountability is. My favorite verse on accountability in all the Bible is Ecclesiastes 4. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. If you have a pen, you could write that down. But it just says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort or for their toll. For if they fall, one will lift up his brother. But woe to him who falls and has no one to lift him back up. I don't know about what, what your kind of experience has been like in your walk with God with accountability. Uh, some of you may be like I was. You don't really want to have anything to do with that word. It's like, I, listen... I lived in my parents' house for long enough. I want to be kind of the man of the house. I want to run my business. I don't need somebody else telling me what to do. And let me just tell you right off the bat, accountability is not having a life chaperone that makes sure you don't drive over the speed limit and you get home by curfew, okay? Accountability is, is the idea that we have somebody in our life that has the ability to speak into our life to help us see the things that we can't see on our own because very often we can't see everything the way that it truly is and we need more often than not, perspective from the outside. Uh, before we moved, we, I was pastoring a church in California for a season, and before we moved back to Tulsa, uh, uh, we had a, a hot tub in our backyard, and it's kind of a hot tub not built in the ground, but it sits on top of the ground, has a cover on it. And uh, one, one morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I heard a loud bang. And it's one of those bangs you hear in the house where you nudge your wife and tell her to go check it out. And, and she didn't move, so I had to go check it out. So I walked down the stairs, and as you walk down the stairs in my house, there's, there's this one window where you can look out and see part of our backyard. Well, at 2 o'clock in the morning, that part of our backyard is supposed to be dark. Well, when I came around the wall, I could see through this window, and I could see that the light in my hot tub was on. And there were people in my hot tub at two o'clock in the morning. And they're just having a party in my hot tub. So I did what any red-blooded American would do. I hid back around the wall. True story. I'm not making this up. I'm in my underwear. I can say that at a men's meeting. And I'm in my underwear and I'm standing back around this wall thinking to myself, what do you do with people in your hot tub at two o'clock in the morning? I'm thinking, do I yell back up to my wife, tell them to go home? Is there, do you call 911 for pool jumpers? I don't know. So I'm standing around this wall for about three, four, five seconds. And then it dawns on me, Oh yeah, I'm a man. And so I walked back around the, around the wall, got to the door, I opened up the sliding glass door to go to my backyard, and I'm hit as soon as I open up the, 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 the door with a wall of water and wind, and it dawns on me, there's nobody in my hot tub. All right, there's a storm. The wind has blown the hot tub cover off. Somehow it bumped the buttons and turned on the bubbles and the lights and all that, and there are bushes right next to my hot tub waving back and forth like this that look like people in my hot tub uh, through all of the rain. And I had a full-on home alone moment. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like there's a party, but nothing's really happening. And so I'm struck by this feeling as I walk in my backyard. First of all, how silly I am. And second of all, how often in life things that are happening disguise uh, what, what, what is really underneath, and very often there's something that has to get a hold of our attention and change our perspective so we can see what's really happening. This is why accountability exists in our life. Because as men, very often, listen, 
we all have our opinions about things. Many of us are God-gifted and God-geared to lead, to change things, to take control of things, to make things happen. And we all want to see things happen in our lives with our business, our family, our kids, our friends. But so often, there are things happening around us, more often than not in us, that we don't see clearly. And if we're not careful, we make bad choices based on faulty assumptions. And I know as silly as it seems, that picture of me standing behind that wall thinking that there, <laughs> thinking there's somebody in my hot tub at 2 o'clock in the morning, if I was able to just stop and think for a second, listen, ain't nobody got time to jump in your hot tub at 2 o'clock in the morning, all right? Nobody's doing that. But I'm standing back here thinking that that's happening, and I'm making decisions in my life based on thinking that that's a reality, accountability is not a life chaperone. It's not, telling, it's not somebody telling you what to do. And I don't know what your experience with accountability has been. Very often it can feel, if we're not careful, oppressive. It can feel like somebody getting in the middle of my business, and I don't want to tell my business to everybody. Accountability is simply this, and you can write it down. Accountability is giving someone permission to help you become the person God created you to be. Somebody in your life needs to have permission to be able to see you for who you really are. To cut through the noise, to cut through the wind, to cut through the rain, to cut through your faulty assumptions and maybe the ways that you've been living and the things that you've been doing that are holding you back and keeping you from being the person that God wants you to be. Somebody needs to have the ability in your life to stand by your side behind the wall and say, there's nobody in your hot tub, bud. Everything, listen, this is to help you gain a perspective on your life that's healthy. And so what I want to do this morning is just give you a couple of things that will help identify for you what accountability really is, what it's not. And then I'm going to give you just kind of as we go a little accountability checklist that you can build. If somewhere off to the side of your notes you just want to, build, you just want to write the words accountability checklist. And as we go through, you'll just kind of add one of these things to the list. There'll just be a couple by the time we're done that will help you identify what does, what does healthy accountability really look like in my life. As a pastor, I have certain accountability in my life that's built in based on the structure of the churches that I've led. There's a church board that is there to help be, be governing accountability. There's a board of elders that's there to be, help be peer accountability. And those accountabilities are good. But can I just tell you this? Almost every pastor that's led a church in America has had that kind of accountability and still fallen. It, accountability by itself is not enough to keep you from falling. It's not enough to keep you out of the weeds. It's not enough to keep you on the straight and narrow. Accountability, if you don't choose it for yourself, is not enough to help you really at all because accountability is always outside in and accountability feels like something that you can fake, you can pretend, and you can put up a, a false front like you're really doing okay. So here's number one, write this down. Accountability is a posture of your heart before it's a person in your life. Accountability is a posture of your heart before it's a person in your life. This is what Jeremiah 17.9 says. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah obviously is, is speaking to a, uh, a group of God followers before Jesus, before the renewal of our heart, before the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about the natural default of our human heart is to deceive ourselves and ultimately to lead to, that leads to wrong actions based on deceived perspective. And our goal as men is to go, listen, if my heart has a tendency to deceive me, if I can, if I can trick myself into believing things are acceptable, 
If I can trick myself into thinking that the line is not that far away, if I can trick myself into thinking that certain actions and behaviors, certain selfishnesses are, are okay, if I can justify those things, then I need something outside of me that will help me not trick myself. Accountability doesn't start by having an accountability partner, though. There's going to be some, hopefully, godly men in your life, and many of you may already have this, godly men in your life that can look you in the eye and, and help you navigate tough things in your life, but accountability starts as a posture of your heart that says, I want to live the right way. I want to see things how they really are. I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to walk into you know, places I shouldn't go or things that I shouldn't be doing. I don't want to adopt behaviors or addictions or habits. I don't want those things in my life. So I'm going to choose to order my heart in a way that opens it up to other people, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, to be able to lead and guide and direct my heart. But it always starts inside, because if it doesn't start inside, you'll never get it outside. The problem for most guys, though, is this. The problem for most guys is that we're very, very stubborn. Can we just be honest? Like I, like, I want my way on my timetable and my things and my life and my family to be my way. I like my comfort zone. I want to cheer for my team at my time on Sunday morning with my you know, pajamas on, eating my food in my seat. I want things my way. And we don't really like other people getting in our business. In fact, I, I saw a friend of mine sent me this sign. I think we have it. Uh, it's just a picture from the side of the road. It says this, this year thousands of men will die from stubbornness and somebody spray painted, no, we won't. Like that just illustrates it perfectly. Listen, listen. Guys, by, I think by, by the way that God has designed us, this is not a prescription, this is not universal, every guy is different. However, I think most of us have this innate desire to conquer and to overcome stuff. And that's awesome and it's wonderful and it's good. However, if our heart posture is not to say, God, I'm gonna lay that down I'm going to lay down my way on my timetable and my things, and I'm going to allow you to speak to me from the outside in. And I think this is pretty obviously a group of guys that want that, or you wouldn't be here to say, yes, I want that. But the truth is, stubbornness often is difficult to overcome. So I brought a little uh, stubbornness quiz with me this morning. Pop quiz. You can take this by yourself. You don't have to admit this to your friend. But here's a couple questions that might help you self-locate where you are on the stubbornness scale. The first one is this. If you refuse to update your phone because it will only change things for the worse, you might be stubborn. All right, so right, like some of you, like, you still have the first iPhone. Uh, you still have the first, you know, uh, update on your phone. You're like, hey, it still rings. I'm all right. Okay, number two. If as a child you ever held your breath until you passed out, you might be stubborn. This is my wife, y'all. My wife is one of the most strong-willed people you've ever met. When she was little, she... Uh, uh, her dad was trying to get her out of a car at a national park. She didn't want to get out of the car, so she held on to the, the uh, headrest of the car so long uh, that her arms turned purple and started to cramp up, but she would not let go. Her dad, she was kicking her dad. Eventually, she kicked so hard that she kicked the windshield in their car and broke it. This is my wife, okay? This is what I live with. Pray for me, somebody. Okay, but listen, stubbornness is good. When, it's, when, it, when there's a sense of strength associated with it. But stubbornness will hurt us if, it doesn't allow, if we don't get past that and allow our hearts to open up. So if you've ever given someone the silent treatment without telling them for more than a day, you might be stubborn. Okay? Like somebody, I just got it's up, right up in somebody's kitchen this morning. I apologize for that. Okay, and then the last one is this. If you're thinking I'm not stubborn, just right. You're definitely stubborn. Okay? This is, this is there's, there's a challenge with this that says I need I need to allow God to work past my conviction that I'm right. 
I need to allow God to work past my assumptions that I have everything figured out or worse. And this is, can I just be real honest with you and real direct? Sin has a way of deceiving us and saying, this isn't that bad. And you can beat me if you try a little harder. Sin wants to stay in the game with you. So sin will give a little. Sin will be like, ah, listen, 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 listen. Don't, 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 don't tell anybody. Listen, I promise, I'll let you score a couple points. If you just, if you just try a little harder, I'll give a little more ground. You'll be, you'll be all right. You don't need to tell anybody. I mean, what are they going to think if you tell them? What are they gonna, they're going to know, and, and they're going to think less of you. And so we have this barrier between us and authenticity. And I believe one of the strongest things that you will, if you will allow God to use it in your life, one of the strongest tools to break down the barrier between you and who God's really, the, the best, most authentic, most life-giving version of the man God's created you to be, one of the best tools to break down that wall is accountability. However, it's one of the hardest to ask for. Accountability has to start inside our hearts to say, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to feel when I ask somebody for help. I don't know what this is going to be like if I'm really honest about what's going on. But I'm so determined at a heart level to live an authentic life that I'm willing to let somebody else have access to my story, my struggle, my secrets. I'm going to take off the mask with somebody. And I don't know how it's going to feel. And it feels like it's going to hurt. And I'm not sure what's on the other side of it. But when it starts with a heart level conviction, the other stuff takes shape. The reason that this is so important, before I talk about anything else with accountability, is I believe this, that when it comes to the struggles that guys fight the most, arrogance, pride, lust, fear, insecurity, all of those things will always struggle externally if we don't first face them internally. In other words, it's very difficult to have it's, it's difficult to change the location of your eyes if you don't first change the posture of your heart. So when I was growing up, my, my, I have four sisters. It's a gift from God. It was hell on earth for a while, but I'm thankful for it now. Come on. And, but when I was growing up, my dad would always make me open the door for my mom and open the doors for my little sisters. And every time that I would have to do that, uh, I would think, this is awful because there's so many of them. Dear God, when's the line going to stop? Like I, but also, also I, I struggled with it because I felt like I was always having to put them first. What I didn't realize as I was growing up is my parents were putting in me both with silly things like opening the door for my sisters. You can't hit girls. Like, like that was the most frustrating thing growing up. You could get in fights. They could do whatever. They, I have scars on my arm to this day from my little sisters just beating me up, grabbing me, digging their fingernails in my arm. They could do whatever they wanted. I couldn't hit them. Why? Because you don't hit girls. What I didn't realize is this was not something my parents were doing to frustrate me. It was something my parents were doing to help, help create a correct posture in my heart to how I saw women. When your heart posture changes, it's a lot easier to change the location of your eyes and your thoughts. But it, ha- but it starts not by having somebody on the outside telling you, you already know this, if it worked to overcome sin and all of the stupidity that we get ourselves into, if it worked to have somebody just telling us from the outside, then we'd all be doing that. It doesn't work. Accountability without heart accountability doesn't change anything. So if you're going to have authentic, God-honoring community in your life, it's going to take a, a significant prayer on your part and a willingness just to say, God, 
I don't know how this works, but I want to change the posture of my heart, not just fight the battle with my thoughts, with my eyes, with my pride, with my insecurity. I don't want to fight these battles. I want to change it first inside. So the first thing on your accountability checklist is just this, determine to be accountable. Determined to be accountable. Just say, I will be accountable. I don't know how that works yet. You may not have that in your life. Or can I say this worse? If you do have it in your life, but you're not being authentic. If you do have a fake version of accountability where you say, yeah, I have a prayer partner. I have an accountability partner, but I'm not really authentic with them. They don't really know what's really going on. They don't really know what I'm struggling with or, or, the, or you know, the, 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 the junk that I'm dealing with or the insecurity I feel or how I really feel about my boss at work or the reason that I haven't texted my mom in five years. What, what's really going on? Because it, it starts with a determination to be accountable. For me, this started when I was in high school. When I was in high school, my parents were going through a separation that ended up being a divorce. And I grew up in a, in a family that was in church every time the doors were open. And when I started seeing my, my parents' relationship fall apart, it was very uh, disorienting for me. It was sort of like, wait a minute, we've said all of this. And we've said that if you do all this and you live this way, then you're going to have God's best life. And why isn't that happening in my family? And it was very difficult for me to watch that happen. And as it was happening, I backed away from my family. I backed away from my faith in a lot of ways. And there were a couple years where I was just like, I don't know how much difference it makes if this is the, if this is the outcome. I don't know that I want that. And I don't know if you've been there before. Maybe you're there right now. But it's very difficult to live a God-honoring life when the people that were supposed to be modeling that life for you let you down. And so I went through a, a season where I just was more interested in friends and more interested in girlfriends and ended up dating a girl. Our, our relationship got physical. We ended up being uh, very sexual. By the You know, I was very young when this was happening. I'm 16, 17, 18 years old when this is happening. And, and uh, one of the worst case scenarios, I think, for followers of God is that we follow God when we're young and then we take the brakes off when we get in our middle years because when the brakes come off in our middle years and they've been on, on, on in our young years, man, we just become hell on wheels, man. It's just like, just well, if, we're, if I'm not going that direction, I'm going to go this direction as fast and as far as I can. And I remember very vividly the day when I was in a church service and a gentleman, maybe some of you know him, his name's Dave Reaver. He came to preach in our church and um, I was sitting with my girlfriend, this girl was sitting next to me in church, and uh, you know, as far as everybody in my family and at church knew, I was still the same Sunday school kid that worked in the game room, and I was just you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when it came to church, and I'm sitting there, and Dave Reaver's preaching, and he invites all the students to come and sit down on the floor in the aisles, and I'm thinking, not a chance, bro, I'm not, I'm not going to come, but my girlfriend got up to go sit down. I was like, well, if she's going, I'm going, because I don't want her sitting next to anybody else, so I walked down there, and I'm sitting next to her, and Dave Reaver was a gentleman that was wounded severely in Vietnam and has an amazing testimony of being deeply wounded and God using those wounds uh, in a really miraculous way. And as he's sharing his testimony, which I had heard before, it just broke through all the noise in my life. And I knew at that moment as I was sitting on the floor, I got to change, but I don't know how. But there was one friend in my life that God said, "If if you'll tell him what's going on, it'll change everything. The next several days on into a week were the most nerve-wracking of my life because I knew I had to say something. But if you ever have the feeling where you have to tell somebody the truth and you know it's not going to make them happy, your mouth gets dry, your palms get sweaty, and you're like, I just, this is not going to go well. But I remember the feeling 
of a thousand pounds of weight falling off my shoulders when I opened my mouth and I said the words through tears, through shaky lips. Basically, all I could get out is we're having sex. Like, that's all I could say. It was just like, I don't know how to say this. I don't know how this is going to work. And when I said that, the cracks in the wall and the light that came through were nothing short of miraculous. And I'm a firm believer on this side of that salvation experience with Jesus. I am a firm believer in honesty. I'm a firm believer in accountability. But it started not with the words coming out of my mouth. It started in the moment sitting crisscross applesauce style on that church aisle floor going, I got to do this. I got to do it. And I don't know what's on the other side of it. But all the accountability, everything good in my life that's come out of those accountability relationships started with that determination I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be accountable. It starts on the inside. So number one is determined to be accountable. Number two is this. Accountability is a partner for the journey, not a personal reference. What does that mean? Like I said earlier, every pastor has an accountability structure. Very few of us have partners that are walking with us on the journey that really know what's going on in our life. Accountability, especially if the way that I listen, the way that I've heard it taught, the way that I've been probably part of even teaching it early on in my in my ministry was that basically you got to check this box. You got to have somebody that know that knows what's going on in your life, and 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 there's truth to that. But here, but the problem is if it, if there's not a part if if the person that you're accountable to is not really linked arms with you, partnering with you, walking with you in a regu- on a regular basis, in a regular way, really knowing your life, the accountability they're offering is very shallow. Yeah. And the accountability that's happening is not going to make lasting change in your life. Proverbs 27, 17, you know, this is probably the one verse you could have predicted I was going to share. It says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The reason that I, that I show you that is because there's been something that I believe God's shown me out of this verse that I didn't know, I didn't see it when I was growing up. But there's two words here that I'd love for you to circle in your Bible or in your notes. But just circle the, the words iron and the word sharpen. Those are, those are the two key ideas carried in this verse. The first is the word iron. In other words, the person in your life that's really going to make you sharp has to be iron. They can't be a wet noodle. They can't be somebody you can lie to. They can't be somebody you can trick. They can't be somebody that doesn't know what's really going on in your life. They have to be somebody that is strong enough to actually stand up in your world, tell you the truth when you need to hear it, as the prophet Nathan did to David. This, that man is you. Somebody has to be able to look at you and say, you're doing it. You're, 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 you're walking that way. Do you know what you're doing? Do you know what's happening? But the second idea that's carried there is this, is the word sharpen. In other words, the whole point of this is that that person is there to make you better. The person is there to sharpen you. The iron, iron is no good at sharpening a sword if it's beating nicks and cuts and chunks into it. The person in your life that God wants you to walk with is the type of, needs to be, should be, ought to be, the type of person that their primary concern is not pointing out what you did wrong. Their primary concern is what? Calling out the God, the God-ordained destiny in your life and saying, this is who God called you to be. Are we walking toward that? Are we really getting closer to that? There's, there's a, a dynamic inside of every relationship that I think is really valuable to understand and, and struggle through and, and wrestle with in your own thoughts and in your own thinking about how, how this is going to work in your life as a man. 
But if you don't have both of those at work, you, you won't really have authentic accountability. One side, they need to be strong. But two, they can't be so strong that they're the type of person that just loves to be critical. I've had people in my life that are like that. They, they almost rejoice when there's a problem found. It's like, oh, good. We got, some, we got something to talk about. I got something to correct you over. And I've had people in my life where their primary relationship with me was corrective, where the, the primary relationship was, let me wait for you to do it, and you blew it, and you blew it. And that was primary, the, the primary relationship. And here's what I've learned about. If, if you primarily have a critic as your accountability partner, you will eventually put distance between you and them because it hurts too bad to be honest. Your, your heart was not built by God to take blows over and over again from somebody that's constantly critical of you. You need to have somebody in your life that's more of a cheerleader than a critic, more of the person going, yeah, okay, that, 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 man, I'm so glad you were honest. Can I tell you that? I, that's the best thing in the world that you were honest. Now, what's next? What are we gonna do now? What positive steps are we gonna take from here to keep working on that and keep growing? And if, can I just, if you're an accountability partner for somebody else, if you're in somebody else's life, it's that, you have to make the choice. I am primarily going to be here as a cheerleader, not a critic. And some of us, we love to be critical. We like to edit. We see all the problems in the world and we see all the misspellings and you've already seen where there's five places I should have put a comma in the slides, right? That's, if that's you, you've got to make a choice. I am here to cheer them on to God's best, to, to, to push them forward towards God's best, not to revel in the fact that they were wrong. Church accountability, godly accountability, gets toxic when it's led by critics. It always does. It it won't work. It won't last. You won't stick in it. The person you're accountable to won't stick in it, and you'll end up with a lot of distance between you. And then what happens is the relationship eventually becomes, it it changes from a relationship that was supposed to be the closest relationship you have with a brother, and it becomes the furthest one you have away because you can't, if I can't really be honest when we were supposed to be, I can't talk to you at all. You end up causing a lot of hurt and distance there. So, so here's the, here, what's the point? The point is this. There, there are some things. There are some things that everybody doesn't need to know. And you, you, it's, there are some things in your life that you don't. Accountability is not running around and sharing everything with everybody going, oh, my gosh, I just had this thought. Oh, my gosh, I want to punch you in the face. Like, it's, that's not accountability. Accountability is not full transparency and just run in your mouth with everybody that you're, that you're talking. However, someone in your life should know everything. That's good. Yeah. Don't share everything with everybody, but somebody should know everything. So is there somebody in your life that you would say, yeah, I can be that honest with. I can share everything with that person. They know everything about me. They know when I'm struggling. They know when I'm upset. They know when I'm hurting. They know when I'm, you know, proud. They know when I'm really full of myself and I'm getting a big head. They know when to come in with a little humility. They know everything about me. So here's the second thing to add to your accountability checklist is this. Choose cheerleaders over critics. So I have to choose to be accountable. I have to say, yes, that's, that's what I'm going to be. Now, who am I going to be accountable to? Somebody who is a cheerleader in my life. Somebody that I know, as hard as it might be, to tell them that I'm struggling. I know what it feels like every time I get done having lunch with them. Man, I'm full of hope. Man, I'm full of faith. I'm full of God's confidence. Forgiveness re-enters the mix for me, and I'm more confident than ever that I can overcome the challenges that I'm facing. Not a conversation where I go, man, when I have that conversation, I'm going to feel less. I'm going to feel awful. Number three, accountability is only as strong as their ability to read you. Accountability is only as strong as their ability 
to read you. When I was a freshman uh, in uh, college, uh, I had just gone through kind of what at our church we just call our real Jesus experience. I met Jesus, man, I was just on fire for God. And I, I went to Southwest Baptist University for my freshman year. And I remember walking in the dorm and there was this big old guy named Jeremy uh, who was my, my roommate. And uh, I didn't know anybody at the, at the school. So you kind of get assigned roommates. Many of you may have had that experience. And I walk in and there's Jeremy and he he, uh, I, you know, we do the whole meet and greet thing with the parents and we put all of, you know, our stuff away and parents leave and, and he walks over and he closes the door and he, he pulls a, a chair from the desk up right next to my bed and he sits on this chair and he goes, he goes, let's be accountability partners. Now, I didn't know what an accountability partner was at that point. I only knew I had some friends that knew everything about me and that I was honest with. I didn't really know what an accountability partner was. And so we go, I said, I said, what a, what does that mean? Like, like, how does that work? And he said, man, we're going to hold each other accountable for working out. We're going to hold each other accountable for the girls that we're dating. Man, we're going to be accountability, accountability partners this next year at, at, at school. And I didn't know how weird Jeremy was until that moment. And it only got weirder from there. And Jeremy and I had nothing in common, number one. Uh, Jeremy and I came from vastly different backgrounds, number two. And what I learned about my roommate my freshman year of college is that he talked big about everything and then never followed through with anything, including his grades, which was why he wasn't at school after the first semester anymore. And I don't know what happened to him, but that was the last conversation we had about accountability was that one. He was determined. We're going to be accountability partners. It's going to be awesome. And, but here's what I knew. I learned about Jeremy really quickly after just a couple of days being around him. He wasn't looking at me. He wasn't concerned. He didn't see me. There was nothing about my life that he was asking questions about, nothing in my life he was interested in. He was interested in the idea of accountability, in the theory of accountability, primarily because he wanted somebody to make sure he went to the gym every day. And after I asked him about it a few times, I realized he really doesn't even care about that. He just kind of liked the idea, and he got hot on the idea for a second, but he had no ability to read me, and I didn't know him well enough to read him. If there's going to be God-honoring accountability in your life, it's going to start by having somebody in your life that you say, yes, I'm going to give you the ability to, to, to be in my life in that, in, in that you know, deep and meaningful of a way. There are people in your life that already know you really, really well. That's the pool of people you should probably, not always, this is not a prescription, please hear me, sometimes it's somebody that doesn't know you very well that you need to invite in, but often it's going to start with somebody that knows you, that's walking the same road as you, they're in the same flow of life as you, it might not be that they're even the same generation as you, but you know when you're around them, we're following God in a similar direction, and they're going to be able to be close enough to me, not like a pretend roommate in college pulling up a chair, daring me to be accountable. Like, this guy's really going to walk with me. If you get to know me, you, you're going to learn a couple things about me, and one of, the, one of the first ones is that I hate coconut. I hate coconut with a passion. Coconut is of the devil. Come on, somebody. Listen, I am convinced that the coconut was the forbidden fruit that Adam and Eve ate on the tree. Like, there, listen, there's two kinds of people, people that like coconut and Christians. This, it's just, I'm telling you right now, it, my wife knows, and I have friends that know, if you bring Ethan anything with coconut on it, you get it around me, I will slap it out of your hand, I will make sure it ends up on the floor or in the trash can. It is a vile weed. It was never intended by God. It's part of the curse, I'm convinced. But if you know me, you know that it would not be an up arrow for me if you made me a dessert with coconut on top of it, all right? On the other hand, if you know me, you know that I love bread. I love bread with all my heart. 
When I was growing up, my grandma had a bread maker. You know what these are? If you know what a bread maker is, you grew up in the 90s, all right? So she would just take all of the ingredients, she'd dump it in the dump it in the bread maker, and then like a little while later, you start to just, you know what I'm talking about? You just smell it. It's just like something glorious is happening, and you get in there, and she take the bread out, and that cr- you break the crust, it's all soft on the inside, and you put butter on there, like butter, not butter, like so much people are telling you there's too much as if there was such a thing, like, like I'm talking, and we, I, if I was not a pastor, I'd be a baker. I'd have a bakery. Like, I'd just be throwing cinnamon rolls at people all day. I love carbs. I love, I love bread so much that if I go to a steakhouse, I would rather, if they have good bread, I would rather eat the bread than the filet. You can keep that. Listen, the most theologically sophisticated thing I'm going to tell you all day long is God is not keto, okay? I'm telling you right now. God, God loves carbs. Jesus said, give us this day our daily Brad, come on, somebody. So if you know me, you know this about me. And you know that if I'm going to break my diet, it's not going to be with coconut. It's going to be with bread. Yeah, that's going to be like, give me the bread. Give me the carbs. That's where I'm going to go. Somebody in your life has to know you well enough to know they don't struggle with coconut. Not going to be a problem for them. Bread, they get close to it. They're, they're done. They're done. They're going to backslide. They're gonna, we're going to have to have a whole intervention. Like, it's going to be ugly. We're going to need holy water. Like, this is going to get them near your bread. Gonna, so if, if there's not somebody in your life that knows the difference between your coconut and your bread, you don't have accountability. You know the difference between somebody that can read you and somebody who can't. You know the difference between somebody that really, truly knows when and where they're going to struggle. I have a friend, a good friend, and uh, we're, we're close enough in an accountability uh, relationship that I know that when he's going to struggle with sexual temptation is going to be after he preaches on Sunday. Everything's good. God's good. I've just poured myself out, so why not just cheat a little bit? Why not? So I know that if I'm going to be a friend in his life, the best thing I can do, I don't have to worry about him on, you know, Saturday night getting ready to preach on Sunday morning. But if I'm going to text him, it's going to be on Sunday right after. How was, how was church? How you doing? You doing good? What's your plan for this afternoon? Why? That's accountability. I'm not there to tell him he's an idiot. I'm not there to, tell, to scold him or say, hey, you're going to struggle with this. Or I know, I know where your brain's already going. I'm just there to go, hey, God is in the process of working you through this, and I'm walking with you. How you doing? But I know the difference between his coconut and his bread. Does anybody know that about you? Is there anybody that somebody, you, and you have to, you have to have an accountability partner that can read you. It's uncomfortable because you look in their eyes and you know they know. You know they know. And so you're like, I know that if I don't say it, he's going to be wondering, okay, what's going on? Why are, you, why are you backing up right now? What's going on? Why are you creating distance? And I know that I, and there's just a comfortability with that honesty. Accountability exists for two reasons. One is to deter me from making stupid mistakes. Come on. Two, one is there, as Ecclesiastes says, to go, if and when you do, there's somebody there to go, oh, oh, oh you're not alone. I got you. So that our stumble doesn't become a fall. So that our, our, our slip doesn't become catastrophic. And there's too much writing on the men of God in this generation to allow ourselves to fall. 
Too many of our heroes are falling. Too many of our brothers are, are laying on the side of the road with no good Samaritan to bandage their wounds and pour oil and ointment on them to, to pay for their mistakes and go, hey, I got you. Come on, let's walk together. We need to have that ability to hold each other accountable. But you have to pick somebody that has the ability to read you. What does that look like? Well, two more things to add to your accountability checklist are, are this. Uh, you know, we said determined to be accountable. Walk with people who can read you. Walk with people who can read you. And then the last one is just this. Give them permission. Give them permission. Accountability is not taken, it's given. Nobody can be, nobody can be an accountability friend in your life unless you give them permission to. So what, what do I mean by that? You literally have to go to coffee, sit down with them, have lunch, and just go, hey. And you have to know the difference between... Asking somebody because you're Jeremy, you're my freshman roommate, because you got excited about it in a men's retreat and you thought, man, I really ought to do this, and you feel guilty about it. Do not put accountability in your life until it is a posture of your heart. Don't do it because you feel guilty in a moment and you go, well, I need... you have to have a Jesus moment where you say, I'm going to be accountable to somebody, not because I'm inferior, not because I'm a less than Christian. And one of the barriers, I think, for many guys growing up in church, I know it was for me, is there, the biggest struggle I had admitting that I was struggling was not that I was struggling. It wasn't even the, 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 the nature of the sin that I was in. It was the fact that I really thought that everybody else in the church was doing great and I was the one person that was yeah. screwed up. Yeah. I really thought that. I thought... Well, man, if I admit that I'm hurt or I'm struggling, and worse, if I admit that the root of this is not just momentary fleeting sin, but if I admit that the root of this is the fact that I have some bitterness and I have some hurt, I'm not a new creation. I thought that. That's how I felt. But the second I stepped out and I realized that, that following Jesus is the, is, is the kingdom of God is already but not yet. Yes, I'm a new creation. Yes, old things have passed away. Yes, all things have become new. But I'm still a dude. I still, have, I still have challenges. I still get mad. I still get angry. I still wrestle with this. And I need God's sanctification to meet me right where God's salvation started to go, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep working out. Let's keep getting better at this. And I found that as I follow God, the work that he begun in me had gas thrown on it because I was going, okay, that hill's not too big for me to charge. I don't have to struggle with that for the rest of my life. So accountability, giving somebody permission, inviting them into your life is not admitting you're a victim. It's inviting them to help you be victorious. The wrong picture of accountability is going, well, we're just going to wallow in our junk. And we'll get together and we'll talk about it and we'll feel bad for each other. No, Somebody that has accountability in your life is there for what purpose? Help you become the person God created you to be. That person needs to know you well enough to go, how's that getting you closer to your calling? How's that moving you closer to what God's put in your heart? How, what is that stealing from you? How can we, how can we work to get better? But it has, you have to give people permission. So the people in my life that I'm accountable to have permission on a couple of different levels. And I've sat down with them and I've just said this. You know when I'm at my very best. You know how I am when I'm good. Like, things are great, things are wonderful, everything is good. You know what that's like. You also know what it's like when I'm worried, tense, I'm upset about something. 
So I give you permission to pull me aside, come in my office, close the door, and go out to lunch, whatever it looks like, whatever you feel like you need to do, close the door and just say, hey, that didn't look like Jesus. That didn't sound like Jesus. And what I've told them is if it doesn't look like Jesus, if it doesn't sound like Jesus, if it doesn't smell like Jesus, come talk to me. Come talk to me because something's going on. And I'm probably either too busy and I don't have perspective to see it, or, I'm, or I know it's there and I just haven't dealt with it. I'm just not confronting and I'm just not allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify me in that situation. So I need, you to, I need you to step in and say that. I have two friends, really one of the most beautiful, God-honoring uh, friendships of accountability that I've ever seen. It's really motivated me over the last three years to be even more intentional with this. Um, two pastors, they pastor a church together. And they are just like, they're just like, you know, Laurel and Hardy. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're funny together. They're, they honor God together, but they are each other's force of accountability in their lives. And one of the, the, where I learned a totally different picture of accountability was watching them. And we were at a, a gathering with pastors and one guy was there and his, his friend walked in the front door and he stood up and he started clapping. He goes, woo, you got some last night. He knew him well enough to know he had had sex with his wife the night before. And, he's, and this guy dropped his stuff, his backpack, and he goes, every time, every time, every time he knows, every time he knows. And he said this, I, I, saw, I was talking about it over, around a campfire. I was fascinated by it. I was, like, I was like, are you just guessing? And he goes, no, I can tell. It's all over him. It's all over him. He's been with his wife. He's good. Life is good. And he said, but often I will have to tell him, go home and be with your wife. It's been too long. He goes, I can tell. I know. I know by looking at him. I know by watching him. You haven't been spending enough time with your wife. Go home, whatever it takes, day off, go to the beach, get away. You are not good right now with your wife. You need to go. That's accountability. And I'm not suggesting that there ought to be somebody in your life that knows you that well. Okay, that's, that's like a God thing. That's probably a one in a million thing. I don't have anybody in my life that knows me that well and certainly don't want anybody calling me out in a room full of people. I'm not wired that way. These guys have that kind of relationship, okay? The idea is that without permission, nobody's going to get even close to that point with you. Somebody, and it takes literally saying the words, you have my permission to talk to me, be in my world. So, the last thing, the last thing is this. The, the two most practical are this. You have to give them permission. The last one is put it on your calendar. Put it on your calendar. Accountability will drift without proximity. So you have to be around this person often enough to just have real God-honoring conversations. It's not that every time, what, don't get this picture of it, that like you're scheduling lunch once a week so that you can talk about every place you messed up. But that you're around that person often enough to just laugh, do life together. Be close enough to each other where you're going, man, I'm in your corner. I'm cheering you on. And my primary goal with being accountability in your life is not just a seatbelt. It's not just there to make sure you don't fall out of the car. It's there to make you better. I'm a vitamin B12 shot in your spiritual life. I'm there to help you be better. And so I want to be around that kind of person. I want to be in that kind of person's life so that I'm more encouraged, more strengthened, and along the way, if I occasionally struggle or stumble, and hopefully those times as we walk with God are fewer and further between, and we get stronger and stronger and stronger, but it's not going to happen unless it's on your calendar. Everything for a leader is going to rise and fall to the level of your calendar. 
It's, it, you, can, you can say all you want. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got an accountability partner. I'm, I'm in that friendship with him. When was the last time you talked? Um, well, it's been, when's the next time you're going to talk? I don't know. If you don't know the next time you're going to talk, if you don't know the next time you're going to be together and just have fun or, or be around each other, then you need to, t- I would challenge you to take one more step to go, let's get this on our calendar. Let's be a little bit more intentional with this because I think if we are, God can do amazing things. The, the, the two guys that are closest in my life in this way, um, just real practically, just kind of FYI for you, whether you care or not, um, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, they're, I don't work for them. Uh, they don't pay me a paycheck. So um, I don't own them. I don't own them either. They don't work for me. Um, there's a, uh, I think you need to have accountability that's above you in, in, in what you're doing. I think you should be accountable to your boss. I think you should be accountable to the guys you work with. But I think some of the best accountability is when they are not controlled by you at all. I, I, can't, I can't manipulate this relationship. I can't, I can't make it anything but what God's going to make it be. I, I, it's just going to be a, na- it's gonna be a natural flow. I respect them deeply. I know both of the, how, they, how they lead their families, how they walk with God, uh, how they raise their kids. Uh, I, I can trust their advice because it's been proven to me over a long period of time. They're not going to give me strange, weird advice. I, I know that about them. And I know that they care most about me being my best. And they've been willing at different points in my life to say, you're not your best when you're doing that. You're not, in some cases, it's been a role, a job that I had. In some cases, it's been other relationships, things I've been spending too much time on as hobbies and those kind of things. You're not at your best when you're doing that. And I'm just going to, I know you at your best. You laugh more. You love God more. You love Sarah better. You're a better dad to Owen and Wyatt when you're like this. I would just encourage you not to do that. That's what godly accountability looks like. And so I just want to take a second this morning and I want to pray over you. And uh, here's my challenge for you as we kind of close this out, is just to say, to say, God, I, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to start with honesty. <clears throat> Excuse me, if that's not where I am, I'm willing to start there. Maybe you're in a place where that's the first hurdle you have to get over is just going, you just need that, you know, crisscross applesauce moment sitting on a church aisle floor, just that moment to go, is this working really? Is this what I want forever? Do I want to be, do I want to have this silent struggle? And it may not be gross sin. It may just be an emotional struggle. It may just be a gap, a distance in a place in your life. And you're just going, I don't, this has been here for long enough. Maybe I just need to invite somebody in and give them permission to, to cheer me on in this way. But it starts with that honesty to say, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Maybe for you, it's, maybe for you, there's a, a person in your life like that, but you haven't given them that kind of permission, and you just need to send a text today or this week and say, "Hey, can we go? Can we can we get this on our calendar? Can I? Can we talk? And can we have an open conversation that would just say, I, I, I want more of this in my life. I want to give God more prophets, more voices in my life to speak God's word into me. I want that, and I'm just going to invite you to be that. Um, it may be that you have that. You have that." You know the person in your life that you should be honest with, and you know what their response would be if you were honest with them, but you're not being honest with them. And now is just kind of a time where God may be getting your attention and just going, what would it look like if you were to trust me enough with your honesty that I'm never going to harm you, I'm only going to heal you. I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to hurt you. I'm not, I'm not wanting to draw something out to condemn you or to, to put you know, guilt on you or to put a scarlet letter on you and mark you somehow as 
as less than a man or you failed, but I just want to heal that place in your heart. James 5.16 says that we confess our sins one to another to find healing. Uh, 1 John 1.9 says we confess our sins to God to find forgiveness. But there's a sense that even though we're forgiven, there's places that only get healed one piece at a time by somebody speaking God's life into us, by somebody affirming us, by somebody standing shoulder to shoulder with us and saying, God's not done with you. That's not the end. There's more to Listen, you're really smart. You're really good at what you do. God's got more for you. There's somebody lifting you up. And so I'm just going to pray for you for a second. And those are kind of my three challenges, just to, just, to, just to be honest with where you are. And if you're here and, man, you're great. You're like, Ethan, man, I check all those boxes and I'm good with that, then maybe, maybe God's put you in a unique position with where you are in your life to just say, God, would you help me be that for somebody else? Would you help me to offer the healing and the, just the season of joy and strength that I'm in right now? Would you help me to offer that to somebody else that may need me to step into their world and be that? And I know that for some of you, you don't have that person. And maybe you don't even know who that person would be simple step is just to say, God, would you put somebody in my life? Would you make a God connection that only you can make that would help me to have that person in my life? Because um, I just, I firmly believe life's too short to do it alone. And uh, God wants you to have those kind of men in your life. So let me pray for you. Lord, we are so grateful. First for a church like New Song and leaders like Pastor Josh and Pastor Ken and the team that would make time to do this. Life gets busy and there's so many things that distract us that, man, it's special. Man, it's special just to take a moment to pause. It's a gift to be in a place with no cell phone service. It's a gift to be in a place where you can just smell the fresh air and let your voice be the loudest voice in our life. So God, I just pray for my brothers here this morning. One of the most misunderstood and toughest things to talk about is how to live an open life with other people that are trying to follow you. And because other people let us down and other people hurt us, very often we don't want to walk, we don't want to walk this close with other people. We trust you, but man, sometimes it's hard to trust others. So God, would you open our hearts and give us faith not to live an open life with every single person, but just to have a few. Maybe just start with one, somebody that can bring that kind of God-honoring encouragement into our life. So I pray for those, God, that may, they may need to just start with honesty. Would you help us start there? Would you help us just to find a place and a way to get the words out of our mouth, believing that on the other side of that is breakthrough victory, life and life abundant, not hurt, not harm, but your life is on the other side of that. Holy Spirit, would you give supernatural grace to the men in this room that maybe need to take that step? Those that need somebody in their life, God, would you knit our hearts together like only you can? Connect us in ways that only you can do. Would you bring us to be beside and, and with, shoulder to shoulder, men that are running after you with all they've got just like we are? Would you, would you shine a bright light on that person for each one of us that may need that? And for those of us that are in a season of victory and joy, God, would you break our hearts for those that need us to stop on our journey, to see them broken, to walk to them, to cross the road, and to pick them up and to say, I've got you. As long as it takes, as much as it costs me, I'm in this with you. 
because at the end, what we're gonna have left is what we did for you and what we did for others. So God, would you help us to have a conviction about that? Not because it's a church thing to do, not because there's a Bible verse that tells us and we better keep it or God's mad, but God, would you just give us a conviction to live this way? Because we want health and life. So now as we just take a moment, just don't get in a hurry. Got plenty of time. I think Josh will close us out whenever he's ready, but just take a second to to just exhale. Just let God be God. There's a lot of things that feel bigger than us, a lot of things that worry us. But man, God loves you so much. And I don't think that there's very many things that are more powerful than a man who has understood that he's loved by God. I think if that's the primary thought of your life, there's no demon in hell, no physical obstacle that we can't overcome. It's why at the baptism of the of Jesus at the Jordan, God made sure to break through all the other noise and say, you're my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. I think he did it for Jesus, but I also think he did it for us so that we would hear that that's God's posture toward his sons. And if Jesus needed that to walk into a dark world and change it, I think we do too. So it's just a moment just to receive that affirmation, to know that he's for you, and to allow him to speak to you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.